Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some dare call it conspiracy. Welcome to Chemtrails on Trial, an eight-part series produced by Some Dare Call It Conspiracy. If you would like access to the entire series right now, join us on patreon.com slash conspiracy. The following is the debunk section. This is episode eight. Did Germany admit chemtrails in December 2007? Um, no. Unfortunately, what's happened here is that somebody's just taken a German news program that was about chaff. You remember we spoke about chaff earlier? Yeah. Chaff is where you actually put particulate out and it creates radar blanking. Well, that was what was buggering up the weather maps. This chaff had gone over a large part of, of the country and so it was buggering things up. So when he says... Military planes of the German Federal Army are manipulating our climate. They didn't say that at all. What the actual translation, the true translation is, the military planes of the German Federal Army are manipulating our weather maps. And then it goes on to say, <laughs> when he says, the Federal Army is manipulating the meteorological maps, we can state with 97% certainty that we have on our hands chemtrails comprised of fine dust containing polymers and metals that is used to disrupt radar signal. He doesn't say chemtrails, he says dupel, which is the German word for chaff. So basically somebody's just written a completely erroneous subtitle. Later on when it says the, the registers report emissions of chemtrails at low altitudes, again the word that is used is dupel, which means chaff. So some sod has basically taken that and just written lies on it, I'm afraid. So what about all the video evidence? What about the, uh, the pilots that are following the KC-10? They say, look at that. You can see them spraying the chemtrail. Well, the same site that uploaded that video, it was a real pilot. It was an actual pilot. And they had a name online, which was US Air Force F-E-K-C-I-O. They uploaded this in July 2010, so very, very shortly after the original video was put up. They put a post that said, well, that was fun, playing with all you chemtrails, but you guys really are way too gullible. For all you chemtrail idiots that get excited as if this is the holy grail of chemtrail videos, and for me and my friends to laugh at you whilst you spread them is marvellous. So basically, it was just a hoax video that somebody oh, put up. No. Now again, 
you could come back and say, well, he was forced to say that, or it's a different person. It's like, well, it's the same account. It was somebody essentially fucking with the chemtrailers, like yeah, trolling them. Yeah. That wasn't the first time. Because I remember in 2014, Chris Bovey filmed a plane landing in Sao Paulo emitting chemtrails, yeah. and this was viewed more than three million times. Well, Bovey was invited onto the Richie Allen show. We all know Richie. I've been on Richie Allen's show a few times. And on it, Chris Bovey revealed that he knew that this wasn't a chemtrail, it was a plane dumping fuel at ground level, and that he just basically wanted to wind up the chemtrailers. And apparently he gets into a massive argument with Richie Allen, who says that chemtrails are real. <laughs> and this bloke says, well, I don't think they are. So anyway, the 2014 landing with the chemtrails going, it's a plane landing in fog. So basically, again, it's the atmospheric conditions that actually produce the, the persistent contrails. The one that's landing in Japan or releasing chemtrails in, in Japan, it's an APU auxiliary power unit and it's burning off excess oil. It has to burn that off. And when you look at claims from Operation Indigo Skyfold, these are a genocide program. Yeah, it's a lovely story, but there's absolutely no evidence to back it up. It's just a story that appeared on sites like Rents and various other sites like that. It's just, again, seems like it was born out of whole cloth, I'm afraid. The 1923 chemtrail footage that shows a plane leaving a trail behind it, and it seems to fall and sort of envelop this warship and cause a smoke curtain. That's not a chemtrail. It's, it's an actual technique that was used in the 20s called a smoke curtain. It's to hide the warship. Like when you throw a smoke bomb in Ghost of Tsushima or something, they can't see you, and then you can either escape or it's less likely that the enemy boat's going to hit you, essentially. Ninja tactics. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Ninja tactics. So, Dr. Rosalie Bertel, the anti-nuclear nun, now, this is a bit of a shame, really, because, like, she seems like a nice lady and she seems to know her stuff. However, she's just repeating the tropes, the, the idea that it's there to combat global warming, the idea that contrails only persist for 15 seconds, uh, the idea that it might be aerial pharmacopoeia. She's very well-meaning. She, she's, um, you know, a nice lady and everything. But she's just repeating the tropes that she's heard, uh, I'm afraid. Like when she says, oh, they're all over the world, they're in England and Belgium and Paris and Geneva. It's like, well, yeah, that's because they're jet fan exhausts and that's the places where they go. It's due to cold temperature and correct atmospheric conditions. So do you think with their interpretation of global warming, you know, the sort of normal interpretation is that it's a real problem and it's difficult to solve all these complex problems, complex solutions, whereas their interpretation seems to be it's just this malicious spraying from the planes. Yeah. So we can essentially just stop that and that's yeah. environment sorted. Or even the basically like the, the concept of global warming is a cover for them to try all these experiments but they're actually yeah. for depopulation or for killing or for mind control or something like that. So this is the problem is, is, again, it's one of these things that tends to be bolstered and supported by other ideas. Like, you know, if you don't believe in climate change or global warming or anything like that, or you think that agenda is nefarious, you could see, well, if they're prepared to lie to us about climate change, of course they'll lie to us about what's coming out of the back of planes. It's one of those rabbit hole truisms a bit like sort of Bohemian Grove or paedophile rings or something like that. Like, you know, there's, a, there's an element of truth to these things, but they've become sort of elevated to, well, we know this is real because we know this is real, and we know this is real because we know this is real. And again, it's that circular logic of 
we don't trust the government, they say it's this, it's probably something else. And then you're looking for things to support that position rather than actually evidence it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's contrarianism, it's not critical thinking. Yeah, a lot of the time it is. So, Kirsten Megan, right, who's the Oath Keeper lady. Well, she's not in the Oath Keepers, but she was at the Oath Keeper conference. And she's there to speak about geoengineering and blah, blah, blah. And she claims basically like David Keith is a monster and that his book exposes all the things that the truth movement have been saying for years. And basically like, you should just read this. They're, they're basically hiding it in plain sight. It really doesn't. His, his book discusses possibilities and potential downfalls and, and potential problems, essentially. So she's showing the, the, the video of him talking about sulfuric acid and stuff like that. It's like, again, this isn't happening. It just isn't happening. And this is where it starts to fall down a bit because basically she then starts slightly getting confused about what her job is. Like, she claims to be an officer, but she also claims to be a civilian contractor. She's made various claims on various forums that seem to contradict one another about what her job actually was. When pressed on this, she gives a very unsatisfactory answer of, oh, it was really like a jack-of-all trades, blah, 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 I did this and I did this and I did this. It's like, uh, it doesn't seem to be that. She seems to be sort of like adding certain things to her story in order to, to sort of make it seem more... Validated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when she said, basically, again, her knowledge of chemtrails comes from the internet. It comes from probably from white twats and various things like that. So when she sees, she says, ah, oh, they were ordering aluminium oxide and barium sulfate and strontium sulfate. And I thought, hang on, I recognize those chemicals. She then points out that there are legitimate industrial processes for all of those chemicals that the Air Force do actually use on a daily basis. But she still cancelled the uh, order. So, you know, <laughs> it, it sounds to me that she's just made an error. She then talks about, well, I've done these samples and I've done all these tests that show high levels of contaminants. Now, she's never once shown these results, right, okay? Never once shown these results. And when she's pressed on why she's never shown the results, she says that she doesn't want to go to prison because technically, because these were done on military bases, they belong to the military. So she would be giving out classified military information, which takes about four seconds of thinking it to go, that's bollocks that is you've just made that up you've completely made that up and if you have access to this equipment do it outside the military base do it on the lawn in front of the military base like or whatever it's just she's it's utter utter nonsense she says that she's very much like edward snowden and that she's had pilots come forward she's had people who um load the canisters onto the planes now the only sort of reasonable response that I have to that is, oh, fuck off, chinny recon. No, you haven't. <laughs> you lying cow. Like, just just stop it. Just absolutely stop it. There's, you've got nothing to back that up at all. And then she goes on to say that basically we shouldn't trust Metabunk or Contrail Science or MIGQuest because MIG is a government agent. Now, she did this talk in 2014, now, her negative attitude towards Metabunk and Mick might well be to do with the fact that in 2013, she jumped on a forum on Metabunk and got 
absolutely dragged all over the place because she couldn't provide any evidence. She contradicted herself on things that she'd previously said. She lied about her rank in the military and she basically provided zero evidence for any of her claims and showed massive inconsistencies in her story. She also admitted on that forum to not being an officer. She also admits that her daughter was taken away from her because she was declared mentally unfit. Uh, whoa. Now, I don't know when that happened, why that happened, or what, but that is another one of those red flags. That's, so you lied about being an officer, you've got no evidence to present, right? You're not going to show these tests because apparently these belong to the military. And she says that the evidence, the evidence that chemtrails exists comes from the Wellsbeck seeding pattern, the Hughes pattern. But as we've discussed, that's not chemtrails. Yeah. That isn't chemtrails, right, okay? So again, it's a circular thing, and it's never been done. Never actually once been done. Hello, initiates of the Some Dare Call It Conspiracy podcast. Dom Jolly here. How are you? Sorry to butt in, but I just wanted to let you know that I've written, well, a book that I'm very, very proud of called The Conspiracy Tourist, in which I travel around the world taking a look at the weird world of conspiracies, and I think you might like it. Not only that, but I'm touring the book and doing live shows all around England from the 28th of Feb to the end of March, and it would be smashing to see you there. I think you'd like it. If you are interested, go to my website, www.domjolly.tv. And now, on with the podcast. Thanks. So, geoengineering, let's just briefly talk about geoengineering, right? Okay, so this is David Keith. Climate geoengineering, the benefits and the risk of tech intervention. And he basically says that he talks, he wants to do carbon capture or removal. A second direct intervention would be solar geoengineering, otherwise known as solar climate intervention or sunlight reflection methods. And this refers to allowing the radiative balance of the Earth or how much heat from the sun is released back into space by putting small aerosols, which are tiny particles, into the atmosphere. At best, it can be partially or imperfectly offset the risks of CO2 in the atmosphere, Keith says. This could involve spraying sea salt into some kinds of low-level clouds to make them whiter, but most of the researchers looked into adding aerosols to the stratosphere, and this would aim to scatter about half a percent of sunlight back into space in order to lower temperatures by half a degree in the second half of the century. It could involve putting a million tons of sulfuric acid in the air per year, which may sound frightening, but humans already put 50 million tons of sulfur into the lowest atmosphere, which kills several million people a year from air pollution, so a million extra tons is not very much. Volcanoes already inject sulfur into the atmosphere, and these effects have been studied. These substances would gradually leave the stratosphere after several years and not leave any long-term consequences. The results of these technologies in climate models look surprisingly good on a purely technical basis, and cooling the planet could save millions of lives. But, and this is the big thing, there are potential risks. I've got pages and pages of technical risks, some of which we don't know very much about, some of which we know more about. And then there's a set of political risks to do with the fact that we don't have a system for governing these technologies, for making the decisions about how they would be implemented, to resolve disputes between nations about them. The main reason that there's been an unwillingness to research these topics is because of concerns that if we even talked about solar geoengineering, it would take away from the incentive to cut present emissions. So. 
it's a theoretical thing that's never been done. They don't want to do it. They don't know how they would do it because basically there's all sorts of political problems like who sets the temperature, who decides what the weather's like all over the planet, who gets control of the machinery, who gets paid for doing it, all of this sort of stuff. It's just all over the place, basically. So... The concept of geoengineering is not proof of chemtrails. It's not even proof that geoengineering is happening. It's just proof that the idea for geoengineering is a thing. So geoengineering necessarily doesn't exist, just the idea of it exists. It's never been tried, never once been tried. It's, it's literally at the discussion theoretical stage, and they don't really want to try it because they think that if it does work, what will happen is people will go, oh, then we could start like burning polar bears again or whatever it was that they do. It's kind of like, is the, right, have you ever seen this film, Christiane F? It's about a young girl, who's David Bowie fan, that gets addicted to heroin, right, okay? And she goes through this massive, massive withdrawal thing with her boyfriend and then goes out to the local disco where all her mates are and they're all on smack and stuff. And they go, oh, are you clean? That's brilliant, that is. Like, do you want some smack? And they go, yeah, all right, yeah, I'll have some smack because we know that I can get off it. And then they spend the rest of the film hopelessly addicted to smack and a 14-year-old girl dies. And that is kind of the problem, that if we know we've got a solution to this problem, why even address the problem, if you see what I mean? So this is one of the reasons that geoengineering isn't encouraged, even by the people who are experts at geoengineering. It's just not a done thing. So... On the home stretch, chemtrails or contrails explained. This is from a brilliant, brilliant Twitter account called Casey Ten Driver, and also with a bit from Deborah Sanderson. So, chemtrails, hot exhaust gases, are reacting to a cold, low-pressure atmosphere, produce a cloud trail of ice pellets, which is freezing water vapor. So, this is why we don't see trails on hot, high-pressure days. The first reports of contrails was uh, reported in 1919, but was observed in 1915. In World War II, contrails were considered a problem as it identified planes to the enemy. So they would fly high to conserve fuel, which is thin air and cold, but that creates the, the atmospheric conditions for contrails, and then they'd be able to be shot at. So again, this is a known phenomenon that is discussed within the industry. And this is why people like KC-10 Driver are like just completely incredulous that people would think it would be anything but that. Contrails increase as the pressure and the temperature drops. So in the same way that on a miserable, wet day, we get more clouds, yeah. we get more contrails. And this is why they're more noticeable in summer, because we're more used to no cloud cover. And then when it is miserable and clouds form, that's when we actually see the contrails and stuff. Also, as planes' engines have got better, they can fly higher. And so this concept that, oh, I'm seeing more than I did when I was a youth. Yes, you are, because they're better engines that can fly further, higher, and there's more planes. So you're seeing more of these contrails. In 1970, there were about 250 million air passengers per year. And in 2016, there were three and a half billion. So there's more planes flying higher, which means more contrails, basically. The wingtip vortices, you know when you see this coming off the tail or the wingtip? It's humid air being lifted by the wings, and this causes it to condense, especially, as I said, when climbing. So this is why you tend to see gaps in contrails. There's actually vortices caused by the tail or the wingtips displacing humid air and causing it to form a trail. So again, so he breaks it down. Well, this didn't happen years ago. So, yeah, that's true. It didn't happen years ago. But there are more planes flying higher uh, than the past, hence more contrails. Well, what about these grid patterns? 
And he says, well, planes navigate standard routes with waypoints to aim at. And waypoints are points for planes to aim at. The wind blows these trails, which gives the impression of them being side by side. He talks about the tanks of chemicals. Obviously, these are ballasts for testing weight, shifting on a plane. He talks about nozzles on planes. And he says, oh, yeah, sometimes people show nozzles. He's like, these are either fuel dumps. Planes basically take off at higher weights than landing. It's, it's better to land at a low weight, so you purge fuel before you actually go into it, basically. Uh, and it's the same thing. It's, it's why do they stop star? For exactly the same reason that clouds have gaps. The conditions, the temperature, the humidity can vary wildly, essentially. There's other things that basically are, are, are done. For example, like crop dusting. People say, well, that's chemtrails. It's not. That's a completely different thing. You're dusting pesticides onto crops. What about the red arrows and skywriting and stuff like that? Again, it's a different thing. That that uses coloured oils or oils yeah. that burn off, that create this smoke that, that lingers. So evidence that, what about cloud seeding? Yeah, cloud seeding is a thing. You fly into clouds, basically, and try and get them to, to turn into rain clouds. But it doesn't leave a contrail or a chemtrail. So so all of these things, well, this exists. Yeah, it does, but it's a completely different thing to the way the thing that you're describing. Yeah. So what about all these previous programs that, that prove chemtrails? Operation Large Area Cover. This was a U.S. Army chemical corpse dispersed sink cadmium particles over the USA and Canada in 1950s. This basically they did. They were in planes and they dropped a load of zinc cadmium particles all over America. They were testing to see what would happen if they dropped poison, essentially. That's not proof of geoengineering or proof of chemtrails. Operation Popeye. Operation Popeye was a cloud seeding project that was carried out during Vietnam. What they did was they tried to extend the monsoon season by increasing the clouds. Monsoons caused huge amounts of really dangerous conditions, floods, landslides, mudslides, that types of things. That's what they were trying to induce. It wasn't successful. Project Storm Fury was an attempt to do the opposite, to weaken tropical cyclones by dropping uh, silver iodide into it, and this would freeze the water in the, the cyclone and stop it. It didn't work. It was abandoned. It didn't work. Project Cirrus, which was a General Electric and Army Signals Corps and U.S. Air Force, an Office of Nageable Intelligence uh, operation, where they tried to move a hurricane by dropping crushed dry ice into it. Uh, again, it didn't work. It just didn't work, so they decided not to do that one again. One thing that's kind of sensational is this is the first time we've heard like a manufacturer mentioned yeah. in this whole time. Well, yeah, other than the Hughes pattern, but again, like you know, it's uh, it, it yeah, it, it, it's it's just it's silly, really, isn't it? You'll like this one, Operation Hailstone, right? This is an operation to attack Truk Lagoon in 1994 by the Americans against the Japanese troops. It's got absolutely nothing to do with weather at all, but it says hailstone in the title, so people include it in the list. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Operation Silver Fox was a joint German-Finnish attack against the Soviet Union in 1941, so nothing to do with weather modification. Uh. Operation Ranchand was a herbicide spraying operation to deforest areas, so Agent Orange and stuff like that. That was in the Vietnam War. And Operation Red Hat, they moved chemical weapons to Okinawa in 1962 as a response to information that North Korea had chemical weapons. It's nothing to do with weather modification at all. 
So again, some of those things that are listed are just nonsense. So I think I think we've fairly debunked it, but there is one thing that completely debunks this, and this was take that clouds on Twitter. So take that clouds on Twitter. Salute large up yourself. This was brilliant. If chemtrails are real, how much chemicals would we need? Uh, so the way to work this out is what length of persistent contrails is produced globally each day? So remember, these will all be chemtrails. Well, not all flights produce persistent contrails. Depending on the region and the conditions, between 2.2% of flights cause 80% of persistent contrails in Japan, say, whereas 10% of flights in the USA cause 80% of contrails there. So, so it varies. Let's take a position roughly in the middle. Let's say that 5% of all flights produce contrails. There's roughly 100,000 commercial flights each day. If we take a medium haul flight to be an average 1,000 miles, that's roughly 100 million miles that are flown each day. So 5% of 100 million miles of flights is 5 million miles of persistent contrails every day. So if we've got 5 million miles of persistent contrails or chemtrails, how much chemical material would that require? Well, typical contrails have been measured to have a mass of about 30 kilograms a meter or 53 tons per mile. 5 million miles at 53 tons a mile is 265 million tons of chemicals used every single day. And that's more than 96 billion tons of chemicals used every year. The amount of aluminium produced per year worldwide is 64 million tons. So to make the chemtrails, you would need 1,500 times the yearly world production of aluminium every year. Now, if chemtrails are actually aluminium oxide, then you need slightly less. And let's assume that they are. You would still need 793 times the yearly world production of aluminium every single year just to make chemtrails. Well, there you go. So the likelihood is it's not really plausible, is it? Like, to be quite honest. So, and again, like, to be honest... Chemtrails was one that I took seriously, like, or at least very entertained it because they told me that they, you know, they've tested the water, they've tested, they found barium, aluminium, strontium, et cetera, et cetera. I, I assumed, like most people do, that they've done their due diligence, you know. There's no smoke without fire, et cetera. But it's just not the case. It's not smoke. It's water vapor. Well, that was a fantastic episode. Nice. Excellent. Thank you for listening to Chemtrails on Trial, produced by Brent Lee and Neil Sanders for Some Dare Call It Conspiracy. And don't forget, if you can't wait for next week, do join us on patreon.com slash Conspiracy, where you'll not only be able to get the entire series right now, but also ad-free episodes, plus tons of other goodies, including my music, Neil's books, audiobooks of Neil's, and art by Nicholas Seagray. You can also find all our links at www.somedarecallitconspiracy.com. <laughs>